0: To so welcome um, evangelist Tim Grant as he comes and takes his liberty. Come on, God bless you, sir. Bless you. It's good to be here. You can sit down, please. Let me just get myself sorted. God is good, isn't He? Sorry? God is good all the time. All the time? Amen. You know, uh, as Pastor said, I've written a book recently which uh, wasn't something I ever imagined I do, would do. You know, when I was at school, I remember the teachers calling my parents in and saying, uh, normally at this age we would uh, take the children aside and we would do separate English and we would teach them French as well. But um, your son's brain doesn't work quite properly and uh, we think... Uh, He needs to have double English, so we're not going to teach him French. Uh, So, you know, just to set the scene, you know, I could barely read when I left school, so for me to ever write a book seemed an impossibility. Uh, Five years ago, God said to me, write a book. And for two years, I ignored him and just sort of said, that's not going to happen. I think at that time, I'd probably read four books in my whole life. And God said, right, but I said, well, you know, I just don't think I can do it, Lord. Anyway, you know, you can't win arguments with God, can you? You do realize that, don't you? I hope you've realized that by now. If you're having an argument with God, he always wins. It doesn't seem fair, but that's just the way it is. You know, he's God. And he won. So I, I sat and uh, while I was in hotel rooms, while I was traveling around the world, I wrote this book. And we sent it off to the publishers and to be honest with you, I did not expect it to get published Uh, I I didn't expect it to get published. So I sent it to three different publishers because I thought, well, you know, give yourself a chance and all three of them came back and said, we want to publish your book Uh, This morning, you've got pre-launch day copies available here. It's $9.99 It's basically my wife and I's story with a lot of teaching interwoven around it, of the things that God has done. Um, People are already writing great reviews about it. Uh, I'm not really good at publicizing myself, but I have to say in our church back home the other Sunday, I almost left because I was so embarrassed. People who had read the book, everything about the service was testimonies coming out of the book. So, you know, I know people are encouraged, so grab yourself a copy there, $9.99. There's also our magazine out the back there, and uh, I understand you've got some focus on healing. So I've bought some of our, their little credit card um, USB stick with our healing school on them. So if you're interested in moving in God's power and seeing healing, not necessarily in you, but through you to others, then I'd encourage you to get one of those as well. And they're all on the table in the foyer. Shall we pray? Father, we invite you to come and be part of everything that we're doing this morning, Lord. Lord, I don't want to promote me, but I want to promote you, Lord, because you are worthy, Lord. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There's no one else like you, and we love you this morning, Lord. So we invite you to come and speak to us this morning as we come to look at your word. Amen. You know, I want to encourage you, invite a friend to Alpha. Uh, It's been one of the most successful things that we as a church have done. At one point we were seeing 22 people get saved on average every Alpha course we did. But they can't get saved unless you invite them to come along. And, you know, this nation, things are changing in this nation. I really believe that God is working in people around our nation. And we need to be aware of that and be ready to be the vessels that he uses to speak to them. You know, I heard a story recently uh, of three men working on a building site. I used to have a building company, so I was used to working on building sites. And uh, they were asked what they were doing. And the first man, the interviewer went up and said to him, what are you doing? And he said, I'm laying bricks. And the interviewer went along to a second person and he said to him, what are you doing, sir? He said, I'm building a wall. And he went along to a third man on the site and he said to him, what are you doing? And the third man said, I'm building a great cathedral. They were all working in the same place but they had a completely different perspective about what they were doing, you know, and I think it's time for us to get God's perspective on what we're doing. We are building the kingdom of God here on earth, amen, and God wants us all involved with his plan and his purposes, you know some people worry that we have got a huge influx of people from other nations coming into our nation. And they're worried, the church, I've read in Christian media, the church is worried about other religions taking over our nation. And you know, I just think they fail to see the point. God is giving us the opportunity without ever leaving our nation of preaching to the nations and you know that is exciting there are people living in our nation right now that we would never be allowed to go to their nations but god has brought them here and we don't need to be fearful we need to wake up and see what's going on because god is at work and he has great things planned let's turn to john chapter 4. you know i've been meditating on this passage in john 4 for a couple of years now It's where Jesus meets the woman at the well. You know, Jesus and his disciples have had a successful time of ministry. It's been noted that Jesus' disciples were baptizing more people in the Jordan than John's disciples were baptizing. And they've had this incredibly successful time, and Jesus says it's time to move on. You wouldn't find many evangelists doing that now, would you? You know they're having a phenomenal revival you know god channels got involved and you know and then they say sorry guys we've got to go and i'm sure the guys from god channel would say what you can't go yeah but jesus knows that god has got other plans and purposes for him at that time you know and they get up and they leave and they're on their way uh on a journey they set about on a journey and while they're on this journey they come to this place called Saika and basically they stop for a break you know it's like if you decided to go up and see Martin in Edinburgh you know Pastor Martin in Edinburgh you might stop at a motorway service station on the way because you're feeling a bit tired you're thirsty, you want something to eat. And that's what's happening here. Jesus and the disciples are on this journey and they stop at Sychar. We're told that Jesus was weary from the journey and sat by the well. And the disciples went into the town to find some food. And when they return, they find Jesus talking to a woman who's come to draw water from the well. And the disciples immediately start to worry about all sorts of things. They're worrying why he's risking his reputation talking to a woman. They're even more worried that he's talking to a Samaritan woman, neither of which he should have been done in. According to the Jewish tradition of the time, a rabbi should not speak to a woman on her own. And Jews didn't speak to Samaritans. They didn't even acknowledge them. And here the disciples return and they find Jesus not only talking to a woman, but to a Samaritan woman. Then they're worrying about what he's had to eat and who's brought him something to eat because they went to get him something to eat. And he said he's already eaten. And Jesus looks at them and he realizes that their worries are distracting them from the purpose that God has for them. You know, worry can distract us from God's plans and purposes. You know, the enemy wants to get our focus away from the things that God is doing onto things that are in the eternity are of little significance. You know, we started the beginning of this year I think some of you've met Kim, my wife, but we, the beginning of this year, she wasn't feeling particularly well, and I said to her, well, you know, she hadn't been well for a few weeks, and I said, let's just go down to the doctor and see what's going on, and we went to the doctor, and we had a diagnosis that she had liver cancer, and I sort of said to the doctor, okay, what's your prognosis, and he said, well, she's probably got months, she might if we treat a have a couple of years. And you know, that news was fairly devastating. But then this passage of Scripture came to my mind. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, where God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future. I like the way the Living Bible puts it. It says, full of hope. And I said, God, you've got a plan to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a future full of hope. And that's what we're believing for. And, you know, Kim went in and had some surgery and they were still saying lots of negative things. And we've had a year of that, really. And just two weeks ago, we were meeting with a professor at Guy's Hospital here in London. And she turned around and she said, "Uh, I can't cure your wife but I can stop this cancer growing, and she will have a long life. And I thought, well, you're getting there. The medical profession is catching up with what God is saying. They said she had no future and no hope, and now they're saying she's got future. And we're believing that her body is gonna be a cancer-free zone. You know, when we were sitting in the cancer ward, you know, you could be distracted by everything that's going around, and you look at the other people and, you know, I realized something. I realized we were sitting in a room full of people who had no hope and no future. We did not want to be there ourselves. But then I realized something else. Who is going to tell them unless some Christian comes here? And I realized we were there with a purpose. You know, and the night before she went in for her operation, we are praying. And the lady in the bed next door looks at us and she says, what are you doing? And I said, well, we're just praying for peace for my wife We're praying that the surgeon will have skill tomorrow. And she looked at us. She said, I'm not a believer, but I'm terrified. Will you pray for me? You know? And we realized, you know, God had a plan and a purpose. We could have been distracted by other things. But, you know, we have to put our trust in what God says. You know, we either believe what he said or we disbelieve what he said. You know, when the rubber hits the road, what's inside of us will come out. And, you know, we need to make sure that we've put good stuff in. You know, I love what Curry Temboon said about worrying. You heard of Curry Temboon? She said, worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength, carrying two days at once. It is moving into to tomorrow ahead of time. Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow, it empties today of its strength. You know, worry seeks to enslave us and reduce our strength so that we can't do the things that God wants us to do. Excuse me, I'm going to take my jacket off. It's warm in here. Perhaps it's just me. You know, some of the things we might worry about might seem important things. Some might even seem spiritual things. But if they distract us from God's plans and purposes, that could have disastrous results. You know, not only for us, but for the people of this world. Jesus tells his disciples in verse 34, he says that his food... The thing that sustains him, the thing that renews his energy, the thing that gives him life is to do the will of him who sent him and to accomplish his work. You know, if we want to have that energy, if we want to have vitality, you know, if you're getting on a bit and you think, oh Lord, I'm aching a bit, I want to tell you, get about God's plan and purpose because you'll find that he will revitalize you. How do I know that? Because he's doing it to me. You know, I think I told you last time I was here, I'm just about to reach middle age. You know, some of you looking saying, you're a bit deluded, Tim. <laughs> I think you passed that a while. You know, I'm not. You know, the Bible promises me 120 years. You know, so I'm reaching 60 next year, I'll be middle age you do realize that three score years and 10 was part of the curse, and we've been redeemed from the curse, which means we get what we should have had before. You know, I read an article in the paper just a couple of weeks ago, and I thought the medical profession are catching up all over the show. You know, this article said that the natural life for a human body was 115 years. They said it should, they could find no reason why our bodies shouldn't survive 150 years. I thought, well, they're only five years out. You know, in the next few years, they'll get it to 120. But we have been given that, you know, and if you want to have energy and vitality, then I want to encourage you, get about what God has got for you to do. Doing his will sustains us renews us gives us energy you know Jesus was here on earth with one purpose in mind and that was to fulfill his father's will and to accomplish his work he wasn't gonna let tiredness or the weariness of the journey distract him from God's purposes just think about this. Imagine you were going up to see Martin and you stopped at Milton Keynes Services. And God said to you, speak to that lady and you speak with her. And suddenly she rushes off and brings a hundred other people. And you're there having your lunch and your, your drink and they want to know about Jesus. And they want to know so much that they encourage you to stop for two days. Amen. Amen. You're looking at me as if to say, that couldn't happen. No, that's exactly what happened. They were on a journey from one place to another. They stopped for refreshments. It wasn't a planned crusade. But the whole village came to know Christ. We need to lift up our eyes and see that God is at work. And his plan is that no one perishes, but that all come to know him and enter into eternal life. Jesus said in Luke 19, 10, I have come to seek and save those who are lost. His goal was to fulfill his father's will. He was doing that by submitting his life to God's plans and purposes. John 5, verse 19 tells us, Jesus speaking, he says, the son can do nothing by himself, He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Have you ever really thought about that passage? Jesus says he only did those things he saw the Father doing. You know, God wants us... To be involved in his plans and purposes. He wants us to see what he's doing and where he's at work. You know, if Jesus did it, it was to example to us how we should be living. You know, we need to see what the Father is doing. You know, I believe that God wants to show us much more than we can even begin to imagine. What does that mean? They're showing me a sign saying 20. I thought, no, I'm 40. (laughs) Round the waist. You know, I believe that God wants to show us great things. He wants us to be a people who see where he's at work and cooperate with him. You know, I was in Switzerland and we were up in the Alps. And we were in this restaurant last day of a a week-long mission I'd been out there for. And they decided they wanted to treat me. And we went to this typical Swiss village, way, way up in. I didn't know you could go that high, you know. But uh, we were having Swiss fondue. And it was wonderful. The restaurant was absolutely jam-packed. And the waitress arrived at the table. And every time she came to the table, I noticed her staring at me, you know, I, when people stare at you, it's a bit unnerving, isn't it? I don't know about you, you know, you sort of look, I think, really? Yeah, she is. No. And she was staring. And I said to my friend, why does she keep staring at me? He said, I think she fancies you. I said, get real. <laughs> look at me. I said, no, it can't be that. So I said, "Ask her why she's staring. You know what she said? She said, he has the most beautiful eyes. She said, I have never seen such beautiful eyes. She said, they sparkle. And you know what went through my head? The Bible says that the eyes are the windows of the soul. And I said to this lady, that's because I have a beautiful soul. And she went, what? It was French, but uh, that was basically what she said. And I said, well, I'm a believer. And when you become a believer, God makes you clean on the inside. And you're beautiful. And I said, you're seeing what's on the inside. She said, that is amazing. She said, I was at the Catholic Church this morning and the priest said something very similar. So we got chatting. Then she told me, she said, well, I find it difficult to pray because you know I've got problems with my knees and I've got this and I've got that. I said, do you know what? I said, I believe that God's brought us here to make you beautiful on the outside as well. And I started to tell her that God could heal her. And she said, really? And I said, yeah, give me your hands. So she gave me her hands. And there in the crowded restaurant, I started to pray with her. And she went. And she's like this. And everyone in the restaurant's now looking at me. What has he done to this lady? And she's tottering. She looked drunk and i'm holding her up cuz i'm sure she's going to go and there is nowhere for her to fall over and she starts to get a bit more sensible and uh, she said what did you do i said i didn't do anything but the power of god came on you to set you free from all those things the enemies put on you she said will you wait here just a moment so i said yeah she said i'm just going she disappeared off she came back with her daughter who's about 30, and she said, will you do what you did for me, for my daughter? I said, well, I said, I don't know, but God will do something. So I took her daughter's hands, and she nice. And I'm sort of holding her, and everyone in the restaurant is just staring. And then God says to me, this lady wants a baby, but she can't have one. Tell her that I'm going to give her the dreams of her heart. And I told her that, And she burst into tears, you know, because God revealed what her desire was and told her that he was going to meet her desire. You know, God wants us to be those sort of believers. He wants us to be believers that wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we are seeing where he is at work. You know, it's not just about Sunday or midweek in the evening. It's 24 7. God's calling us to be believers 24 7. To lift up our eyes and see where he's at work. That's what Jesus said to the disciples. Lift up your eyes and see. The fields are white for harvest. You know, I want to encourage you this morning. Lift up your eyes. And see, God is at work in our nation. You know, I was talking to a pastor from Reading recently in Berkshire, or Berkshire, Berkshire. Berkshire. I was born in Berkshire, actually. (laughs) But uh, they have seen 2,000 people make commitments to Christ on the street in an eight-week period. I tell you, things are changing in our nation. And you know why they're seeing that? Because they've lifted their eyes up and they've got out there and they're doing what God has told them to do. Now, I'm not saying that you go and copy what they're doing, but you need to get hold of the fact that God is at work and open your eyes and see what he's saying to you. Perhaps at the moment it's Alpha and you need to be looking for the people that you invite to come along to the Alpha course. Because God's at work. I believe that Europe is heading for a great outpouring. You know, God said to me, I could have a nation at the beginning of this year. We've been working in Bulgaria for about the last 12 years. The population has shrunk from 9.5 million to 6 million. And I got Reinhard Bonkers' newsletter and he saw 2 million people respond in one five-day crusade in Africa. And I went, wow, we need to get him to Bulgaria. And the thought went through my head, three missions, and the nation is saved. And you know what God said to me? Why do I, you need Reinhardt to go? I've sent you. And I thought, yes. You know, I went along to some meetings with Reinhard at the beginning of the year. And we were sitting for lunch, not with Reinhard, but I was sitting for lunch. And people kept on coming and sitting next to me. And I thought, this is a bit weird. And you know, they were fighting over sitting next to me. And people don't normally do that, I have to be honest with you. Nearly. They thought I was his brother. <laughs> you know what I said? When they eventually got the confidence to ask, Are you Reinhards Bonker's brother? I said, Yes. They said, Really? I said, Yes. I said, We're brothers in the Lord. <laughs> You know, God wants us to open our eyes and see what he's at work. You know, with God, nothing is impossible. You know, we need to be careful that we don't miss out on what he's doing. It would be easy, God said to me, for you to miss out on what I plan and I purpose. You know, this Samaritan woman, she's talking with Jesus and she tells him, she says, I know one day the Messiah will come and all these things will be explained to her. But she was worrying about this and she was concerned about that and she had all her theology out and she failed to see what was right in front of her. Just imagine, you're waiting for the Messiah to turn up and he stood in front of you and you miss it. I think that would be awful, you know, that we could be right in front of God's plan and purpose for our lives. And because we're worrying and distracted, we miss out on what He has for us. And we'll get to glory one day and He'll say, Well, actually, I wanted to answer your prayers for revival, I wanted to save your nation. But this lady that you met on this day was the key. And you were so distracted by other things, worrying about other things that you missed it. Wouldn't that be awful? We need to be careful we don't miss out on God's plan. You know, I was in Bulgaria and I'd gone down to tidy my garden. I've got a house in Bulgaria. And I was going, you know, uh, because I'm only ever ministering when I'm down there. The garden was about this high, you know, in Grah. So I went down to Tide, and my neighbor, who's Bulgarian, likes to learn English. So he turned up, and he was wanting to talk English with me. And I'm thinking, I came to do my garden. Go away. But he wouldn't go away. I gave him big hints, but he didn't go away. And, you know, he just wanted to talk. So eventually I said, we sat down on the steps and we started talking. He said, what do you do in Bulgaria? Well, I said, I I came to do my garden, but another big hint, you know, please go and let me do my garden. I said, but normally I'm here preaching the gospel. He said, what? And I explained to him, he said, that's amazing. He said, I'm an orthodox person, but... uh, I don't know this God you're talking about. And that evening, I was going to do a leader's meeting. He said, can I come to the leader's meeting with you? I said, yeah. So we went to this leader's meeting. And I was a bit concerned because he drank quite a lot. He smoked quite a lot. And his stories weren't the sort of stories you tell in church. So I was really concerned that these pastors were going to think, Tim brought this guy? Well, there, and... At the end of the meeting, I realized I had promised to do an evangelistic meeting after this one in another village further away. And I said to him, I'll get you a lift back. He said, no, I want to come. So he came to the evangelistic meeting. That evening at, well, the next morning, actually, one o'clock, we are driving back. He says to me, I don't know the God that you know, but I want to know this God. You know? We can get distracted and miss out on what God wants to do. I said, this guy, come back tomorrow morning. And if you still want to know God, I'll introduce you. And one of my gypsy pastors came to work with me the next day. And Mitko came around. And there, on the steps in our garden, we led him to Jesus. We cannot afford... To get distracted. We need to keep our eyes open and our ears listening to what God is doing and saying. The most unlikely people that we meet, God is at work within them. It's his desire that no one in our nation perish. Yeah. Matthew 6 verse 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you you know a kingdom is where a king rules and if we're seeking god's kingdom we're seeking his rule and his reign in our lives here on earth he says pray thy kingdom come thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven you know, I always think, I used to think that he was talking about the globe, the world we're living in. But, you know, then I read Genesis one day, and it said, God created man out of the earth. And when he says, thy will be done here on earth, I think he's also talking about this bit of earth that we inhabit. This bit of earth that he's in let my plans and my purposes be the foremost things in your life bring his kingdom and his will to your piece of earth hear what he's saying and do what he tells you you know he also commanded the disciples to go into all the world and tell people the good news what was the good news He said, the good news is that my kingdom is at hand. It's so close, you can reach out and grab it. Thank you. You know, I preached on that in a meeting. And afterwards, I'm praying for this lady with lung cancer. And as I'm praying for her, God said, in my kingdom, there's a new pair of lungs for this lady. I said, I know that, Lord. He said, well, reach out and give them to her. I said what? He said just reach out into my kingdom because it's so close that you can reach out and grasp those lungs and give them. I said really? He said yeah close your eyes and I closed my eyes and in that moment in my head I had one of those videos run and I saw a pair of lungs inflating and deflating and God said there they are give them to this lady. I said but they're in my head Lord. He said no they're in my kingdom and my kingdom's very close. So I looked at this lady and I said, God's got a new pair of lungs for you. And I just went like that. I said, here they are. And you know what? She she looked at me with what she wasn't a believer. She looked at me as if I was completely lunatic. And I said, Have a new pair of lungs. She left the meeting very quickly. One week later, she rang me. She said, I've just been for the second scan. They did a body scan where they found the cancer in my lungs. They sent me back for a targeted scan to see how they're going to treat the cancer in my lungs. She said, something very strange happened. She said, the consultant's sitting there and he's going, oh dear, oh dear. She said, what's up? He said, "Um, well, there's a problem. She said, what do you mean there's a problem? He said, we can't find the cancer. He said, but it's very strange because he said, I'm looking at your previous scan and I'm looking at the scan you've just had done and it doesn't even look like you have the same pair of lungs. And she remembered what I said. And she phoned me and she said, this is what has happened. Then she said, will you come and talk to my friends from the cancer clinic? I've got 12 of them coming for coffee. God's kingdom is at hand. We need to recognize that. We are sons and daughters of the King, and we can reach out and bring His kingdom here on earth. We need to lift up our eyes and see where the Father's at work. You know, people in this world have all sorts of needs. Some of them are practical, some of them are physical, some of them are emotional and maybe they need healing in all sorts of ways, but their most pressing need is a spiritual need. They need to be forgiven their sins and to enter into a relationship with God. All the other things will not hinder them on the way. If we fail to meet their pressing need, if we fail to do The things that God has called us to do. To be the people God has called us to be. Their pressing need will never be met. We cannot afford to miss out on what God is doing and saying. God is more than able to meet their needs. And the answers to all of their problems are to be found in his kingdom. But how will they hear unless somebody goes? You know T.L. Osborne, the, the great evangelist, died a couple of years ago, used to say regularly, "You're the only Jesus some people will ever see. What sort of Jesus are they seeing? Are we reflecting his glory? Are we the people of power that he intended us to be? Are we bringing things from his kingdom into? this kingdom because if we're not we're selling this world short we're called to be a people of power jesus told the disciples to wait in jerusalem until they were clothed with power from on high you know we cannot afford to be non-believing believers if we want to see our nation transformed We need to be people who hear God's word and see where he's at work. You know, in Matthew 9, verse 38, Jesus encourages the disciples to pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send out more workers into his fields. You know, I have been at so many prayer meetings, you know, and We've prayed up a storm. Lord, send workers into the field. You know, we can really get on board with that prayer, can't we, Lord? Send workers out into the field, Lord. Raise up evangelists to do the work. You know, I don't know why the people that split the Bible up into chapters put the chapter break just there. But that's the end of Matthew 9, the beginning of Matthew 10. Jesus gives the disciple the, the disciples the answers to their prayers. You know what he says? Go. He says in one verse, pray for the Lord to send workers into the field, and in the next verse he says, you go. Tell people the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. You know, we've been called to be a people who go. You know, at the beginning of this year, I felt God said to me, there has never been a problem with the harvest, but there has always been a problem with the laborers. I went, ouch. He said, all through history, you will find men and women who've lifted their eyes up and have seen that there is a harvest and revivals and outpourings have happened throughout the centuries. He said, there's never been a problem with harvest. He said, "It's just been a problem with people who haven't got their eyes lifted up and are seeing where I'm at work. God is at work in our nation. His kingdom is at hand. He wants us. He's given us authority to be a people of power. You know, he didn't command us to pray for the sick. He commanded us to heal the sick. You know, whether they're emotionally, physically, whatever way they're sick, spiritually, we have the answer. We're called to take the good news. I think it was Catherine Coleman, the great evangelist of the 50s, who once said, God isn't looking for silver vessels It isn't golden vessels he needs. It's willing vessels he wants. Are you willing this morning? Because God is looking for men and women who are willing to lift up their eyes, trust him to meet all their needs, whatever they are, financial, physical, emotional, he says, Don't worry about these things. He says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Have a right relationship with me. And I will supply everything else that you need. You know, some people say, well, it's all right for you, Tim. You're the evangelist. I want to tell you, it's not difficult being an evangelist. Jesus told me, I've sent you to reap that which others have sowed. Somebody else has done the work, basically. You just go and reap the harvest. He's calling us to reap that which has been sowed. He's calling us to bring in the harvest. It's not difficult. This Samaritan woman, she had met Jesus for just a few moments. And she goes back to the village and she says, come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. And the whole village came out to meet Jesus. You know, she added a little phrase on the the end of her statement, come meet a man. She said, could this be the Christ? She wasn't even sure then. She knew nothing. But, Her words had power, and people followed her to Jesus. When we tell our stories, our words can have the same power, and we can lead people out of darkness to Jesus. It doesn't matter how much you know. Yes, it's good to know more, but she knew nothing. She just knew that she had met somebody she wanted everyone else to meet. You know, it's time to stop making excuses and to get hold of God, to hear what he's saying and do what he tells us. I know I've run out of time, but I'm just going to tell you one more story because it's relevant. We ran Alpha back in our church and there was an old lady, she was in, se- uh, in her 70s. Anyone here in their 70s put your hand up? No? All younger than that? 60s? Am I the oldest? I'm sixty. yeah. <laughs> okay. She came up to me on her two walking sticks. Her name was Winifred. And I'd been encouraging everyone to invite people to Alpha. And she walked up to me, and she was a bit grumpy. And she said, Tim, you need to realize I'm 75, I think she was. I'm really old, and all my friends are dead. So I ain't going to be inviting anyone to Alpha. So I said, okay, Wyn. I said, will you do one thing for me? She said, what's that? I said, will you go home and ask Jesus what he thinks about what you've just said? She said, I'll do that. So we left. The next Sunday morning, Wynne turns up to church and she's got a friend with her called Edna. I said, Wynne, I thought you didn't have any friends. She said, I haven't seen Edna in 25 years. So I said, oh. She said, Edna's husband's just died. And she asked me how I coped when my gym died. And she said, I told her about the church and how I was looked after. And Edna said to me, I wish I knew a church like that. She said, you could come to our church. We're running for special meetings for people just like you. So Edna came along to Alpha. And guess what? Edna got saved. The next Alpha course, Edna invited her daughter and her neighbor. And they got saved. The next Alpha, of course, Edna's daughter invited her sister and her friend. Her neighbor invited her daughter-in-law and her neighbor, and they got saved. In one year, 28 people had come to know Christ because one old lady asked God, do you want me to talk to somebody about Jesus? Do you want me to invite someone to Alpha? Just imagine... If every one of you invited one person to this alpha course and that resulted in 28 people getting saved, I don't think this room would be big enough. You know, we serve a greater God. He says, Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. And we need to lift up our eyes and see what he's at work because he wants us to cooperate with him. He has thousands if not hundreds of thousands of people in this city that need to know him. He's bringing people from all over the world to this city that you might tell them about Jesus. Will you lift up your eyes and see them? Will you? Will you hear what he's saying and will you do what he tells you? If you will, we will see revival in this nation. Amen? Amen. When we were Worshiping beforehand, God spoke to me. Just about some people here. There's somebody here, a man who's got problems with your prostate. There's somebody else here, you've got a sports injury or something, you've damaged your knee. Uh, there's another person, you've got a weakness in your bladder. There's somebody here, um, you've got pain in, stiffness, more of a stiffness in your neck. There's somebody else, you've damaged your back. There's someone, I feel like it's like a throbbing in your eyes whether there's a pressure on your eyes. Um, I'm not sure whether it's the same person, but you're someone else is getting a pressure on their forehead, like a, a headache, but it's more than that. If that's you, just stand up where you are. I'd like to pray with you. Okay, just come down the front now quickly. Wow. Can you come across the front here? You know, I arrived 15 minutes before we started this morning. I had chance to speak to one person. Uh, I didn't speak to any of these people, I don't think. You know, but God told me what's going on. Now, this is a sign that God wants to heal people. If you're sick and I didn't mention what's wrong with you, come and join them now because God isn't interested. He doesn't love these people more than he loves you. This is just a sign. Do you have a ministry team? Can the ministry team come, up, come and join me? We'd like, I'd like you to pray with these people. Can those of you standing at the front just hold hands with one another? Ministry team, if you can go and just lay your hands on people as you feel led. I'm going to pray just briefly. You know, God's not impressed with long prayers. You know, all it needs is for you to reach out. If the worship team can come to the front. And take of what is yours from his kingdom his kingdom's so close you can just reach out and grasp it And just as someone touches you you just reach out and grasp everything that god has for you, health and wholeness in jesus name i command health upon your bodies every one of you be healed in jesus name amen be healed be healed be healed in Jesus' name. Health and wholeness in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. Health and wholeness. as soon as someone's praying with you just start to check yourself out see whether whatever it was that was causing you if you couldn't function some way just check it out see what god's doing be healed be healed be healed in jesus name be healed health and wholeness health and wholeness in jesus name strength and healing in jesus name be healed You know, sometimes when I pray with people, people get healed instantly. I believe that's a miracle. But other times, sometimes it takes a few moments, maybe in a few hours. One lady I prayed with in Bulgaria had had a stroke, was paralyzed down one side. She didn't appear to be healed at all. The next morning she woke up and she'd got full use back in her body. Every part of her was healed. You know, the Bible says, talks about miracles and healings. Sometimes the supernatural power of God comes in and quickens your mortal body so that those healing processes are manifest in you. So don't give up. Trust God. Amen. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain.
1: Break every chain. Why don't we rise to our feet?
0: Let's just worship the Lord of the team.